So first up, I want to call Jason Goldberger with the new, as of today, title of Chief Digital Officer of Target. Jason, Thank you, sir. enter the hot seat. Thank you. Uh, one more thing before we start. I uh, really would love to hear from all of you at the end of each talk. Jason likes really, really tough questions, <laughs> especially from competitors. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about that new title. So this morning, Target announced Chief Digital Officer is your new title. I've been told it was strictly um, for the co-commerce. For, for you. For no, the co-commerce yeah, We event. thought this would go better if I had a new title. Right. So um, what's new? More money? Big, <laughs> bigger corner, corner office? Uh, yeah, no, I don't know about either of those. Um, what I, Forget me. What it, what it really says is digital for Target. And so when I started at Target, I, is the, I led Target.com. I reported to someone who reported to someone who reported to the CEO. And it was important, but you know, the reality of a corporate structure is what's closest to the CEO is most important. And by adding my role to the leadership team, reporting directly to our CEO, it just shows how important digital is to where we are today, and more importantly, where we're going. It's a big chunk of our growth. It's a huge way we interact with our guests. And part of my role is to help drive that. So you have the highest pressure job at Target right now? I don't think so. I think the CEO probably has quite a bit more than I do. Okay. Now, if tar let, let, let's put it this way. Target's going to be a very successful company Absolutely. 15, 20 years from now. Yep. Um, your role and your team's role is a huge piece of that. So in a world that um, you know, Amazon gets thrown around a lot, in a world where they are big, 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 big competitors of yours, yep. How do, you, how do you guys thrive and survive and differentiate? So when I look today, they're eating up, you know, with the prime service and everything else they're trying to do, yep. eating up big, big swaths of, of the industry, you know, every day. Um, so Target's 54 years old, and in 50-some years, we've had a whole host of great competitors. And, you know, Walmart for years, and Amazon is certainly an incredible competitor. As you know, I worked there for a bunch of years. I certainly have a high regard, and I think what, what Jeff and team have done is absolutely impressive and something that we pay, pay a lot of attention to. But what Target's about is we have been successful for 50 years by offering differentiated products you can't get elsewhere in a, in a great shopping experience at low prices. That combination has driven Target from a small regional discounter um, 30 years ago, you know, 20 years in our history, we we're still pretty much a Midwestern company to an, in one of the most important retailers in the country. That combination has changed over time. Increasingly, digital is part of that experience or involved in the experience. Yep. But that combination remains very true. Um, as we build digital experiences, as we build new store formats, um, we open smaller stores, all of those things are designed to just get the target experience with target products closer to our guests. So right now, Digital at Target is still very small percentage of overall business, right? Something like four or five percent. We officially don't comment. We're announcing earnings tomorrow, so I'm going to avoid any as of as of uh, last quarter. Yeah. Something like four or five percent. It's a fairly small percentage of the business. Absolutely. Yeah. What I would say, though, <laughs> leave it at that. But that, that Phil's right to write it down. Um, what I would say, though, is um, we announced for last year half of our comp growth came from digital, and yep. in Q4, two thirds of our comp growth came from digital. So if you purely look at it as a platform of transaction, which it's not, it's more than that. It's a big chunk of the growth. And more importantly, so many guests do things prior to a store visit, during a store visit. It drives a lot more commerce than just the numbers you're giving. As an example, one of our fastest growing channels right now for traffic is people using the app in a store, physically located in a store. Um, they're not, almost primarily, they're not buying something on their app, but they're using it to do something else. Look up guest reviews, um, find search within the store, look what aisle something's in, all those are things people are commonly doing in the app. 
Do you think, do you think online, the you talked about the differentiation products you can't find anywhere, anywhere else. Do you think that messaging, do you think mainstream America that is gravitating toward Amazon online recognizes the differentiation that Target has? Are you messaging that? I look at it this way. I mean, I think, I think the, the couple of ways to think about it. So 30 million people visit a Target store, physical store every week. And about 25 million visit a digital property. So it's a huge chunk and there's a huge active guest. Um, that's first piece. Second piece is we've been very clear on our signature businesses. What we, we say businesses we want to be famous for. Style, wellness, kids, baby, which are areas that we very much are invested in and very much want to win in. Um, those businesses are growing far faster in the industry and um, consistently have grown two to three times um, the rest of our businesses. We'll see what we announce tomorrow. But uh, those are very much a strong focus. So I think all of those are results of what exactly we're trying to build. Differentiated products um, uh, in a great shopping experience at low prices. And that's frankly worked really well for us and we continue to focus on it. So f speaking of fast growth, numbers which you, you can't comment on, but... Um, It'd be a good scoop, but I think I'm gonna avoid those for now. Yeah, so SEC's at the door. Um, so December, let's go back to the holiday season for a second. Um, Cyber Monday, I believe it was Cyber Monday, 15% off, giant yeah. sale. Um, Target.com has to throttle traffic. Do I, have, do I have that right? And how did I still get promoted? Is that what you wanna know? I, I mean... Yeah, yeah. My mom asked that too, so I am. I was wondering how you're still at the company, but yeah, promote, yeah. promoted something. I think you asked uh, me that question too, actually. I remember that question too. Um, explain to me what you learned from that and how in 2015 something like that happens. Oh, God. That's a lot. Wow. All right. Now, now, now I'm nervous. No, here's what I would say. So a couple things. We've pushed a lot, and we have certainly driven a lot of revenue, and we've pushed a lot of guests, and we've been very successful in terms of volume. Um, and there, I mean, to be candid, there have been two examples. So Lily Pulitzer is another one, and yep. Cyber Monday is one where we did not offer the guest experience that we need to, period. There's no other way. And so what's the lesson learned? Nothing to be, you know, public, public accountability, while not fun, is important. Yep. And there is no excuse. That's not an experience we can offer. I can sit here and explain what happened on Cyber Monday. The reality was we got significantly more traffic than we ever projected, and we couldn't handle it. We throttled the site, wanted to make sure we protected checkout, so the site functioned, the site functioned, but we, miss, we disappointed way too many guests, and that's never okay, period. Uh, what did we learn from that? I mean, we started the first meeting that I was involved in with our new CIO about what are we gonna do for Cyber Monday 2016 was about 9 a.m. on Cyber Monday last year. Because <laughs> you're like, wow, okay. And so the reality was it was, um, one of the things I've said to the team a lot internally is one of, for people who've never worked in a startup, I have, one of the most common things people talk about is the wonder, how wonderful failure is. It's just such an amazing experience. And I always say like, well, I mean, unless you've been through it, um, but when you've been through it, it's really not a lot of fun. But you have to learn from it. And as much as it may not be fun, you have to learn from it. We certainly learn from it. And we've been very upfront and candid with our guests. That's not the experience they should expect from us. And we're dedicated to finding ways to fix it. To that end, yep. in two weeks, we roll out a new, a new front end of our website. And then later in the summer, we'll roll out a new back end of our website. A lot of reasons for it. It's a fully adaptive site. It's, all, it's an understanding you know, of how important mobile is. It's mobile, we'll be mobile only. We won't be mobile first, all those kinds of things. But the reality is it's a new back end that allows us to scale to a much bigger volume level. Our business is much, much larger than it was three years ago, and we expect that growth to continue. Um, one of the really interesting things about Target to me right now is um, some of the relationships you've developed with young companies. Um, you partner with Instacart yep. Delivery in a few markets. Three. Yep. Three markets. Um, you partner with a company called Curbside, Curbside yeah. um, which 
is pick up at order, order on app or online, pick up at the store, outside the store. And, um, and there, there are a couple other examples. I always wonder how much, how much due diligence do you do at a company like Target before partnering with a company like that? And how, how much are, are these young companies willing to sort of open up about financial? Like, do you look at financials? Yeah. Because a lot rides on, I mean, Instacart's still small, but, but that's a big name and it gets publicity. And so you need to, I'm assuming you need to do as much as you can. We do. And so what I would say is a lot of things. So first of all, we're lucky. With a brand like Target, quite a few companies um, want to work with us. It's not uncommon to see people that want to work with us. We don't, we can't work with, you know, virtually none, frankly. And the reality of it is um, most companies can't handle the scale that a Target website would put through it. I mean, it's just, it's just not something you build for. Um, and so the reality of that is most we don't. So the few we work with, and you mentioned two, and the list is short. It's not, it's not hundreds of companies. Most things we do ourselves. Um, but it's companies that do something that either we aren't doing, aren't focused on doing, maybe, not, I mean, maybe want to test. So use Instacart as an example. Um, grocery delivery is interesting. You know, what Fresh Direct's done in New York and a couple other markets, but New York predominantly, what Instacart has built is interesting to us. It's that we, you know, we're in the business of people and products and getting into their homes and making it easy for them. But we have no intention in the short term, you know, maybe in the future, who knows, of doing grocery delivery. And so it was a way to say, let's try it out and see how, how it does. So to answer your question very directly, it has to be something that we can't do. And then when you get into due diligence, who can offer it in a way that we think is up to a target experience? Um, and those are two companies that, that absolutely can and do. We do do a lot of due diligence. One of the reasons we keep it pretty small, and it is pretty small, is it's, you know, it's not a material piece of business. Okay. So um, while I believe a lot in those two companies, if there was something that changed in their situation, it doesn't really put Target in a tough spot. Um, but we're excited to work with both. And frankly, by working with them, we help them, help them out quite a bit. Something else Target's been working on is um, trying to build new businesses sort of outside of retail completely yeah. by, by hiring some teams that kind of work separately with entrepreneurs in-house. Um, is the goal there or is the, is the thought that Target should be able to build Target's version of, you know, a big business like an AWS that has, you know, driven so much uh, new growth for Amazon. Is that, is that mm. sort of the, is that the goal? Do you think you can build billion dollar businesses out of this, this new Skunk Works project? No question, and let me think about the history a second. So Target is a company, actually is a startup and from a big company. Big this company. Is, this is where I roll, roll my eyes. Roll your eyes like yeah. Yeah. And the reality was it was a startup idea yeah. that eventually took over and became the business. I think we got away from a lot of that. There wasn't a lot of testing. I mean, Target's business model very much was how do we build 100 stores every year and do it at scale and do it really well. That idea of agility wasn't a big focus, and that's been a real change. And so we've invested quite a bit in, in how we do business and talent and people and structure and everything to let us be more agile. What you're mentioning could be. So do I think, um, do I think we will develop some major businesses that will drive Target in the future? Absolutely. Do, will we do some that won't? Absolutely. There'll be some that won't, won't work out at well. And I think having a culture which is different than it used to be of like, let's try it. Let's try some strategically smart things. What works really, works really, really well. Let's invest heavily behind it. And what doesn't work, let's let's not do. What, um, what's your involvement in in those new projects? Pretty limited, and that's that's intentional. And the last the last thing, if you're a new entrepreneur in residence, you want is someone is me talking every week and helping drive the business. My focus is very much on where Target is and where we're going from a digital perspective. Um, 
for instance, with Techstars, I'll serve as a mentor and I'll work with some of the startups. With some of the other entrepreneurs and residents, I'll work with as needed. If they need my help, I'm happy to pitch in. For people who don't know, you have you have a partnership with Techstars. Tech Star, partnership with Techstars, which just started. That'll be exciting. Get a bunch of startups. Um, we had a really terrific um, amount of applications for a handful of roles and getting them involved in, in Target, in the Target facility, which does a lot of things. One is it's great. Second, I mean, just to work with them. Second is for there's some you know, people on my team who've never worked in startups. It's a chance to understand how that works and you know think about how you could build a business with a lot less than you think you could. Um, and it's a really exciting piece of the culture. But I'll, I'll be as involved as I, as I, as I have to, is not have to be, as people want me to be, but I'm also, my job isn't to guide that. I want to kind of stay out of the way and see, see how it, flaw, see how it uh, grows. So it's been about two and a half years since, I don't know if I could say the B word, the, the breach um, in stores. And, um, you know, we've had the EMV chip card uh, transition in stores. A couple of questions in the aftermath of that. Sure. One is, um, will what are your thoughts on mobile phone payments and will tar should we expect Target to accept NFC type payments like an Apple Pay or an Android Pay in stores? I personally thought I would see it by now. We haven't, obviously. Um, actually, let's start there and then we'll. Sure. I do, you know, so I do think mobile and payment is super interesting, and I do think you know we're testing MCX part of the MCX pilot in, in Columbus. Um, I definitely think there's things there about making things easier for guests to pay. We offer Apple Pay on our app as an example of that. In terms of NFC, what, you interviewed our CEO a year ago, and what he said then was, we are very focused on chip and pin, that's our first priority. Until, that's, until we fully get through that. Which is not a great experience in a lot of places right now. Um, not, not, I'm not talking yeah. specifically Target. I've seen it get better yeah. in places, but there, there's a school of thought that it leaves open a big opportunity for mobile payments because... Oh, I, I do. Do I think mobile payments will someday mean something? Absolutely, I do. And that's my personal belief. And I think as a company, we've been public that we'd like to do NFC. It is on our priority list. It's not, when we do that and when it gets done isn't set today. And the reason for that is since EMV launched, and payments is not my expertise, in-store payments isn't my expertise, there's been a lot of changes to that industry. Yep. And we've been in the process of working through all those changes to stay, to stay where we need to be. And that's been a big focus. We're pleased with the chip and pin rollout. The reason I paused when you said it, I think the first few times you do chip and pin, yeah, it's different. It's weird. You put the card in, it doesn't stay. You know, it reminds me when you first go to Europe and they've had chip and pin for years. With that said, what we have seen is the guest adoption has been quick. You know, the first time you use it, there's a couple questions. After that, it's not a big deal. Um, and guests um, so far have liked it and it's worked pretty well. It's worked well for us. There's some data industry-wide that shows that fraud, when it moves out of stores, when stores get tougher on that kind of stuff, moves online. Um, have you seen have you seen that trend? We certainly are concerned. I mean, there's no no question. You see that data. Um, we have a, a really strong fraud team, a combination of you know of uh, software people, a lot of other things. Um, we definitely have seen more attempts, um, but in terms of overall, it's been pretty it's been pretty consistent for us. Got it. Um, we're able to we're able to catch quite a bit of it, and it's you know that's something we've done really really well over the years, and we continue to do well. With that said, it's something that it's it's, it's different. So rates are are rates higher or rates are I mean it's really about the same. About the same. In terms, yeah. Okay. Um, another thing that uh, that that always fascinates me about Target. So. In my household, we are Amazon Prime customers. We are also Target. You always tell me that every time we talk. I know. I like to say it in public as much yeah, as possible, except when Amazon people are here. So close your ear. I know there's a few here. Close your ears, please. Um, we are also Target Red Card. Uh, sir. Now, you don't oversee that business, but I'm curious. Um, I run into a lot of people still to this day who say, well, that's, all, that's, like a, that's a pretty great program, 5% back. Um, 
On, do you think more and more as more uh, more business goes online, you'll more more even more aggressively market that as you know the prime the prime funnel is still pretty large in terms of market share they're reading up, and while there are some families that do both, I don't know what that overlap is. So I'm curious how you think yeah. about the, the advantage of that and, and how to leverage it even more. I feel like you asked me to pitch red card, which I appreciate. Uh, red card is I'm simple. Gonna, I'm going to blow up the pitch. Oh, yeah, fine. Yeah. It's, uh, red card is simple. You save 5% on everything, and you get free shipping on all orders at Target.com. Full stop. Um, it's free. And so it's, it's a fantastic program. And um, we have it's a significant piece of our in-store business. And to your point, it's even larger online. I mean, as a percentage online, if you're buying an iPad from Target and you're not using a red card, you're leaving 5% right off the bat. Um, that you could save. And so that's a big piece as well. We've also talked um, pretty publicly about loyalty and how we're building out a loyalty program and testing through that. It's in a couple of test markets and that's something that in the future could mean more for us. And so I think the combination of all that is very important. Um, uh, and I, I do agree with you. I, I do think we can get more credit for Red Card than we potentially have. Um, that's something we talk about a lot. And I think in the future you may see more there. Got it. Um, one technology we haven't talked about yet is in-store beacons. Yep. And there was a lot of talk about beacons for a while, then there hasn't been so much, but a lot of retailers are still experimenting. How, how many stores do you have that technology? 50. In 50, yeah. what, what are you seeing there? For now, so beacons. I, I personally believe the combination of lo localization, personalization, location in a store is a future, there's a future to that. The ability to serve targeted offers, targeted products while you're in the aisle, I do believe is really important. With all that said, I think a lot of the beacon technology today, including what we do, is a solution searching for a problem. It's not. It's not there. It's not a huge guest adoption. It's you know today it, there's a lot more because they need to have the app on their phone. Is that the is that the people, barrier? No, people a lot of people are using the app in the store. I think there's a lot of it's just figuring our way through it. We've been pretty cautious. Not cautious. We've just been you know we've just, we've done a few things with it. What we have focused on with Beacon and 50 stores is just getting the functionality, just the capability up and running, and understanding from it. Small little team that focuses on it and they're testing quite a bit. Um, I do think that eventually becomes something meaningful. Whether the technology is beacons, whether it's uh, VLC or other technologies haven't been invented yet, you know, everyone has the same idea. I have the same idea. At some point, Wi-Fi should do it. The reality is, no one's made it work. So we'll see what happens with all those technologies. Right now, our positioning is: let's test it out. Let's try out beacons. Um, we don't have plans. I don't have. I'm not announcing plans to put it in more stores as we sit today. We'll try it out and see how it goes from there. There's a ton of talk right now. Probably too much talk, but we'll talk about some more about. Um, Messaging and commerce and how that all fits together. Yeah. Um, there's the bot, you know, there's the bot craze, which I think is already over in some ways. But um, <laughs> I don't know who wants to talk to a bot. I don't. Do you some, want to, somebody's sitting out there talking with a bot. I don't know. Facebook's right in now. the house. Sorry. Um, are you? Which Jason are you talking to? <laughs> um, how, are you doing anything with messaging, or how, how do you think? How do you think about that? It's interesting to me, and I, I do think about. It. We're not doing a lot. I mean, we've talked to you know the players you mentioned. We really talked to people. What I think about is email has been dying forever, and we, people have said that, and that re, and article's been written forever. The reality, though, it's still a pretty good messaging channel. It still yep. works pretty well for a lot of pieces. There are though guests who would prefer, and I'm one of them, who would prefer in many cases to use text or other ways to get customer service. Seems like a yeah. great. And so I think there's a well, there's, I think there's, there's order confirmation, shipping confirmation, that yep. kind of information yep. that I do think for a lot of people is really important. And we'd like to find ways that we get them that information in a clean, easy way. We've not done a lot. You know, we, we're very email reliant today. And I do think over time, some of the, and I won't pick a technology, some of those things will work. 
Um, in terms of bots and other pieces, I mean, there. Are, I, I do think there's ideas there. You know, and I, you know, you think about product expertise and helping guests make a decision in an app, maybe our app, maybe someone else's. I think I think there's ideas there. What that comes to, pure speculation, I, I don't know. Um, uh, we've not put, a, that's not been a major focus for us. I think in the future it could be, and I would say that very honestly, that it will, but we'll see, right? As it sits today, I'm not very focused on it. Future tech, what other future technologies are, are you even thinking about today? Or is there, is there still a ton of sort of low-hanging fruit in, that in, in growth you can do without even talking about, you know, what VR or AR means for how many, how many acronyms can we use? Um, I, I think they all, I mean, we, we certainly have teams at Target that look at all those, and they're, they're all there. And I think there's interest in all of them. Um, and I think we pick and choose. Now, I think with a lot of them, though, we don't have to be first. There's no reason that we have to be the first company to integrate, pick a, pick a, pick a acronym. But I do think we have to pay attention to it. So we have teams, you know, teams in San Francisco, teams in Sunnyvale, um, innovation teams, et cetera, that are looking at all those things. I day, to, day to day, you're not. not I mean, I think about it, but I don't think it's, it's a huge focus. Not really not a huge focus at all. You know, the core basics, the core basics of e-commerce haven't changed. Inventory, supply chain, clean, easy websites, checkout, all those kinds of things are big areas of focus. How do we make it more seamless? Very focused on how do we make our order pickup experience in store a best in class experience. I think you know, I, um, that's a huge focus for us. Things like that are very important. We focus a lot on them. Ready to turn it over to Q&A if we have any brave souls. Brave. Um, I think we have a mic up. And please uh, tell us who you are and uh, what company or media outlet as it is you might be from. Oh, okay, one in the back first. For sure, thank you guys. Uh, I had a question on mobile and specifically. Sorry, can you, can you oh, sure, introduce I'll introduce yourself? myself, yeah, of course. Uh, hi, my name is Nitin Mankani. I'm the founder and CEO of PredictSpring, and uh, we are a mobile commerce platform. Um, my question is regarding mobile and specifically around what kind of engagement are you seeing with mobile apps in terms of conversions and also in-store? You already mentioned in-store, but conversions is the one which I'm interested specifically compared to the mobile site. They're, I mean, they're relatively comparable. What I can say overall for mobile is mobile conversions off the charts up. Our mobile conversion today is actually greater than our desktop conversion was in 2013. And so it's, there's a huge amount of growth. Mobile that, conversion. That's app and, and web? Uh, that's a combination of the two. We don't break out. We, we've not a public announced difference of the two. They're pretty close. Um, apps a little higher, but they're pretty close. Um, what I would say is, you know, last year mobile conversion grew 86%. Um, and that's for two reasons. One is the guest is adopting mobile much faster. I mean, the fastest adoption of anything I've ever seen. Um, and two is that our, our experience is cleaner. But I, it's a combination of those both. It's a better experience. Um, but um, there's a lot of opportunity in mobile. I mean, mobile's a real huge piece of our business today. With that said, I think we're just getting started. One up here, Jill. Thanks. Thank you. Um, Phil Wapik with Fortune. Um, earnings season is full of really interesting things on, on conference calls, and some retailers that don't co compete directly with you you know, there's some interesting things to learn. Nordstrom, which is obviously a very different uh, retailer from you, has said over the last two conference calls that they're going to scale back the rate of spending on e-commerce because they have found that a lot of the stuff that they've been trying out has just been, it's just been too much and too noisy and it costs money and they're, 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 they want to be more disciplined about it. And right now it feels like all the retailers collectively are throwing a lot of things to see what stick. How do you make sure 
since you're a bit earlier than Nordstrom is, uh, for example, how do you make sure you're not wasting money on fanciful things and really your, your IT is going to things that will actually really improve? And you know, like the, the, the digital mirror thing that, that the department stores were trying, they've stopped doing it. It costs a lot of money, but it didn't translate into anything. So yep. for you, what's the lesson in all that? Great question. I think a couple. I think one of the answers is what Jason asked earlier. I think a lot of the technologies, it's okay to just watch and see, and as they take off, go for it. In a couple of the cases, I think we've we've not been the first player, and you know, order pickup experience. There were people that offered it before us. Um, maybe we should have. Maybe we could have. The reality, though, is we've gone after it aggressively, and it's a big chunk of our business. And the percentage of our business is comparable to or better than some other players. Um, so I think the way to answer your question, I think about it, is is to test and react. To not, you know, we have 1,800 stores. To do something 1,800 stores is, you know, the math I always tell the team. Spend a million dollars per store, it's a billion eight. I mean, we, that's an expensive decision. To do that in 20 stores is not that is expensive decision. Let's see how it works. So we do a lot of things where we test in a handful of stores. Um, from that test, um, either expand it and go aggressively, which we've done, um, or, or not do it again. And so the answer I would say to your question is to test and react versus to immediately try to scale. Time for one more. Hi, I'm Wendy McKinnon-Keith from Digital Retail App. So my question is, what is your view on shopper self-checkout and being mm. able to move the payment in-app uh, in the physical retail store? Um, I, I like the concept a lot. I mean, I, you know, I remember the first time I did it at an Apple store, you almost feel like you're stealing, right? You, you literally walk out and you're like, I, I, I think someone's going to think I'm stealing this. Mm. Um, and that, but I think the idea is so cool, where you, it's self-service and you just get in, you get out. Um, it's not something that we're terribly, we're not doing a lot with today. I do think it's interesting, you know, how beacons could work in a cart and you could leave the store. Um, I'd put them on the definite maybe list. I think there's something there, there's an idea there that people would like. Whether, um, whether we do that never next year or year after, I don't know. Who knows? It is, it is, and now it isn't set. Actually, we'll, we'll squeeze in one more. Better questions there. Thank I you. Um, <clears throat> my name's Trevor Trena. I'm the founder and CEO of If Only, and If Only is the world's largest marketplace for experiences. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's a lot of research that shows that uh, more and more consumers are shifting their spend away from buying things towards uh, spending on experiences. And uh, I read somewhere that you were doing something around actually giving shoppers like spinning classes or things like that. But as far as offering experiences for commerce and also for uh, loyalty and retention, can you talk a little bit about what you've thought around there and uh, you know, what, what, your, uh, what your feelings are on that? Um, we, we, did a, we, had a, we had a partnership with, um, uh, with SoulCycle as they built out um, around the country and that was a, uh, a short term piece. I think it's interesting. We certainly talk about it. You know, um, uh, wedding registry is a part of our business, and that ties together. How could that work is something we've certainly talked about. Um, today, the experience we focus on most, most, almost exclusively is the in-store and the online experience, and that's our version of experience. Part of why people enjoy going to a store is the, is the experience. That's a huge driver. And I think a lot of these conferences, what's missed is shopping absolutely is transactional. On the other hand, there's a piece to it that's enjoyable, and there's, people actually like that. Um, and so how do we continue to innovate in the in-store experience to make people, to, to do things people like so they'll come to the store? That's our biggest version of experience. Whether we do experiences beyond that is not something that um, we're, um, I have a whole lot of involvement in. So you're not buying a pizzeria like Urban Outfitters? Uh, not personally, I'm buying a pizzeria. We certainly sell pizza in a lot of our stores, in most of our stores, uh, but uh, no.